Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy. Sorry for the late edition, putting it on Friday this week instead of Thursday, like I said. I apologize for that. But moving forward, I think we're going to do Friday. But I will let you know on social media here in the next few days if I decide to move it to Friday from now on. I think it, in logic sense, it makes more sense to have it on Friday instead of Thursday because the week's technically not really over yet. But, well, it's closer to the end of the week, Friday is. So I'll let you know here soon on social media, Twitter and Facebook at Sig Daddy Wrestle. That's where I'll have it posted for you. This week, Raw. AEW Dynamite and NWA Power. And boy, I have a surprise for you coming later on, and that's going to be in the rankings, and you're going to be quite shocked. Very, very shocked, I think. On For Raw this week, let's start out with recapping Raw. First thing we have is Brock and Heyman out to officially kick off the show, and Heyman kind of says, Happy New Year to you, bees or whatever and starts his promo it was pretty funny i thought (laughs) i thought that was absolutely hilarious and then he says brock always makes history and he says who's gonna challenge him for the wwe title at the rumble and that ends up being nobody not one he says not one person on raw nxt or smackdown is worthy enough to share the spotlight with the beast incarnate but Heyman says he's about to do something unprecedented Brock is entering the Royal Rumble at number one. I think this is interesting. Very, very interesting. I think this is also Brock's ego getting a little too inflated. They're playing that. And then really, in all reality, this is setting up his next challenger for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. Whoever eliminates Brock at the Rumble which he will get eliminated. I just don't foresee him winning it. Whoever eliminates him will get a shot at the WWE title. Who that may be, I don't know. Who do I want it to be? Drew McIntyre. I'll talk to talk about him later on in this, but I thought this was a pretty cool segment. This sets up a bunch of possibilities at the Rumble for Brock. And it should be fun. It should make the Rumble actually fun to watch and not have Brock in some throwaway WWE WWE Championship match at the pay-per-view. After that, we got Rey Mysterio thanking his son for helping him come back and and competing against the best. Says Andrade doesn't deserve to represent the Latinos. Then we get Andrade with Zelina Vega versus Rey Mysterio for the U.S. Championship. And honestly, there was some part of this match that I just was like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting for that my whole entire life. My wrestling viewing life. Somebody avoided the stupid double stomp spot. And Rey Mysterio did that. Thank you, Rey. Thank you. Mysterio at one time hits the Canadian Destroyer has Andrade pinned, but Andrade got his foot put on the ropes by Zelina. And then the match gets restarted after Cone realizes his mistake. Match gets restarted. Andrade misses the knees in the corner. Ray hits a 619. Zelina pulls him out. Ray goes for a Hurricane Rana. Andrade catches him. 
and throws him into Zelina. This is kind of a weird situation as I think they tried to redo the spot. That's I think I read somewhere they tried to redo this spot because it just kind of came off as awkward. But Ray goes out to check on Zelina. He feels bad. He's feeling bad for doing that. But then Ray comes back in and gets hammerlock DDT'd and Andrade retains. Right move there. And then Andrade takes Ray's mask from him. Gives it to Zelina as a peace offering for throwing Ray into her earlier. I thought this was a pretty good match. And honestly, these guys can have a good match in their sleep. It's magic every time those two get in the ring together. And we're probably going to get some more of it here soon because later on there's a segment involving the two once again. We get a video recap from last week. Kind of talking AOP, well, showing the story between AOP, Rollins, and then KO and Joe. Charlie interviews KO and Joe, and they're kind of talking about a third member of their team that will face Rollins and G- Rollins and uh, AOP later on tonight. And Joe talks how KO is the enemy of and my enemy is my friend, and how they need to watch each other's back. And they need ba- Joe says they need backup, and it's going to be three of them versus three of us, like I just said, and. Joe says, oh, it's it's not Charlie. But Joe says he's got a guy. But he won't tell KO. And this kind of is a story told on throughout the night. Charlie's trying to get the information from Joe and he won't tell him. Joe, I'm just going to move on to that part. Joe eventually talks to him. It's like, do you want me to show him to you? And he goes to KO and KO, he ends up showing KO who it is. After that, after the first Rollin, first segment for uh, Joe and KO, it's Street Profits versus Viking Raiders versus the OC for the Raw Tag Team Championship. That was set up by the Viking, not the Viking Raiders, but Street Profits beating the OC last week. Dawson's and Dawkins and Ford cut a promo beforehand, says they're changing the conversation. And then they have some remarks for each of the teams before they come in. But this match was a fun trade of athleticism there was a fun trade by of athleticism early in this match by Ivar and uh Ford I thought that was pretty fun um but late in the match Street Profits hit their Spinebuster Frog Splash combo Anderson throws Ford out and goes for the pin broken up by Eric Powerbomb Big Splash combo by Eric and Ivar get the job done uh, this was a ver- it was a good tag team match I honestly would like to see more of it when the Viking Raiders actually get matches and get time to showcase, they can do a lot of good things. And so can the Street Profits, and so can the OC. But when they stick the Viking Raiders in these pointless squash matches, that gives no opportunity for any other team to develop credibility and to well, be rightful challengers to the tag team championships. That's what Raw's tag team division is really lacking right now is depth in the tag team division. Because honestly, there's only two teams in contention right now, and that's the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders. Again, Charlie tries to get Joe to tell her the third person on their team. We already go, we already went through this. After that, Becky Lynch, uh, she's out in there in her Kill Bill outfit. Pretty cool to cut a promo saying it's good to hear the fans' voices, force the powers 
that be to give her a rematch against Asuka here at the Royal Rumble soon. And she's Becky's like, she might want says she might want to rethink what her what she just did. And they show last year's match at the Rumble where Asuka retained. And then where Asuka beat her two months ago and then beat her at TLC. And Becky was going to continue the promo after the video was shown, but Asuka interrupts. She kind of talks, Asuka comes out, talks a bunch of smack before she comes out of the ring. And then Becky, Asuka's about to say something, but Becky just sucker punches her in the face and then leaves. I thought that was cool. That was a pretty cool segment. Asuka just kind of being a, a douche. And Becky's like, screw that. I'm just going to punch you straight in the face. Stop doing that. And this this is going to be a good rematch. I'm really excited for the Royal Rumble. That should be a heck of a match. And the story was already there beforehand. And I like, I like this is a good bit of long-term storytelling by WWE. And so far, this episode of Raw has been pretty good. This has been very, very good in comparison to a lot of the Raws I've seen previously. But this one has been the best in quite a while. After that, we get Rowan backstage with Mojo Raleigh. He asks if he can take a look inside the cage. Rowan lets him take a peek, and Mojo Raleigh has a great reaction to it. Freaks out and pretty much says, What's wrong with you, dude? And honestly... That's the best segment with the cage so far. The best segment with the cage so far. We get Vega and Andrade backstage interview. They get asked if Ray, well, if Andrade gets crossed the line. Andrade speaks in Spanish. And then Ray jumps him and beats Andrade down and gets his mask back. So we're going to get another match. We're going to get the three three uh three match series, excuse me, between Ray and Andrade. He also took the US Championship with him, I'm pretty sure. But it, it, I'm not, I don't have any problem with seeing these guys wrestle once again. After that, we get Eric Rowan versus Bug Eyes McGee cuz this dude came out and he looked like he had giant bug eyes. Spin kick into the corner. Spin kick run into the corner. And Iron Claw gets it done. He grabs the dude's eyes. And shoves his face into the cage. And the guy gets blood on his face. And he just runs like a complete sissy. It was alright. See, I still, Eric Rowan needs to get out of these squash matches. He needs to face somebody. Credible. Somebody with some sort of relevance. After that post-commercial, it's AJ Styles versus Akira Tozawa. And before the match, we kind of get a video recap of the Rey Mysterio, not Rey Mysterio, AJ Styles, Randy Orton uh, segment from last week where Orton RKO'd him, kind of faking him out with the knee injury. And then we find out next week it's going to be AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. Honest, Styles just dominated this match, which I get why. He's pretty frustrated, pretty angry. And Styles hit a phenomenal forearm before the three count. Decides, eh, I'm not going to... Well, he lifts him before the three count. Decides, oh, I'm going to go for some more. He go. He hits a DDT, draping DDT. Gets it. 
And then he mocks Orton's setup for the RKO. He hits the RKO. It was a pretty good RKO by AJ Styles, got to admit. And this is just a message sent to Orton there. I'm not a big fan of it being at Kazawa's expense, but I get why they did it there. And then we get some fan, some fan supposedly getting in the ring right before break, and security has to take them out. We find out later that it's actually the wedding officiant from last week's wedding with Bobby Lashley and Lana. I thought that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Oh, I, I, was, I was a little I was a little confused. I was like, what the heck is, is there security? Oh, there's a fan in the ring in a suit. Interesting. And then we find out it's the wedding officiant. And we get a wedding s- segment. The wedding segment, actually, again, we actually get the wedding this time. It's not really a big wedding. It's just kind of a, eh. They just redo the wedding. It's official. And Lashley, well, Lana says it's too damn bad for the people who didn't want to see them get married last week. And we get they get the wedding done real quick. Lana gets on the mic after they do the end of it. Lana pretty much says this is supposed to be the happiest day of her life. Says it isn't, though, because no one wants to see the ring on her finger and then calls everyone basic civilians that should have been honored to be in her midst. Lashley says Rusev ruined their day and we get the beautiful Rusev on screen on a on, with a beach backdrop and he's in a uh, sleeveless Hawaiian shirt. And Rusev makes a good point, says they're more miserable than everyone in the arena. He did, and they, since they didn't take their own honeymoon, he decided to take his very own. And he put together a beautiful wedding album chronicling the wedding of last week. And it was pretty dang funny. Rusev mocks them. And then Lana says, Rusev ruins everything. Bobby actually tells Lana to shut up at one time. Lashley then threatens to rip Rusev's balls off. A little, a little excessive there, Bobby. But uh, actually, he said he's going to rip his balls off and shove them down his throat. And that's not a great visual. Not a great visual, Bobby. Kind of kind of scary. Then Rusev says he's going to do unspeakable things to him. And whatever it is left, it's all yours, Lana. I thought this was one of their best segments. I was entertained by this. After that, we got Charlie talking to R-Truth backstage, talking about breaking his own record for all-time championships. Liv interrupts. Liv will be in Rusev's corner for next week since Lana will be in Lashley's, so that should be an interesting dynamic there. Charlotte versus Sarah Logan. What, the one thing, was, this is yes and the Rowan thing, match. Two of the things I didn't like on this show. Pre-match, Logan attacks Charlotte. We didn't get anything out of this. We just got Charlotte and Logan fighting, pretty much. Charlotte ends up... getting getting her... Well, Charlotte ends up getting the last lap in this by hitting a big boot and then tells John Cone to get her robe. She gets it and leaves. Logan's trying to show a little bit of a vicious side, I guess. I didn't really buy it there, but uh, at least we did get to see a vicious side of Logan, and we don't ever get to see her on TV anymore. But I really didn't understand the point of that segment at all. Worst thing on the show so far. 
And then we get McIntyre versus No Way Jose. McIntyre, before the match even starts, attacks one of the guys from the conga line. Jose gets in some offense before McIntyre bellies to bellies him. And McIntyre's belly to belly is impressive. And then he destroys another conga line member. Jose hits some strikes. Then he eats a big giant boot. Jose rolls him up. McIntyre hits a future shock DDT. Always love that move. And then a Claymore kick for the win. McIntyre then throws Jose into conga line post-match. And McIntyre has just been entertaining these last few weeks. And honestly, I don't I don't know what I don't know what he is right now. He's not really a heel. And the fans are getting behind him. And he's not really a face. After and then McIntyre gets on the mic post-match, ask if they want ask if anyone dares hit me dares me to do another claymore kick and that says who double dares me McIntyre then hits another one with a mic in his hand McIntyre hits it with the mic in his hand and then nips up and McIntyre like I said he's been awesome and fun in these segments and he and I love this that he's getting an opportunity to showcase his personality but he says it's sad that they ha- he, that he's not received a singles opportunity at the WWE Championship and says he's entering himself in the Royal Rumble. And like I said earlier, I think he should win. I honestly think he should win. He has had so many stop starts here recently, or in the last year or so. This guy has the look. He's showing that he has the charisma Give him the shot at the WWE Championship. And if he wins the Royal Rumble, that will be huge. Imagine how much of a reaction that gets. That's a believable guy taking on Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Even if he doesn't win, have him eliminate Brock. That sets up the match at WrestleMania. That's a money match. Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. But really, flat out enjoying McIntyre recently. We get Aleister Black versus Shelton Benjamin. They kind of strike. This is a strike-heavy match. Kind of what Aleister Black's motto is, but not motto, but his kind of thing is. Shelton hits a kick. Black hits a flying knee. Then Black hits Black Mass to get it done. It was just like a striking match. Buddy Murphy then attacks him post-match. I didn't think we needed this, but I guess we can get another match out of him, a good match. I thought the feud was over, but it's going to be another match, and Buddy Murphy brutalizes him outside the ring post-match. And we get, But we're going to get Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy, their third match here next week. AOP and Seth Rollins, this is the main event Versus Joe K.O. And the mystery guy is the Big Show. Interesting. He's been going for... He hasn't had a match. He didn't have a match in over a year. That was pretty surprising. But Seth cuts a pre-match promo. Big Show pretty much destroys everyone before the the commercial. K.O. dominates. Seth post-commercial. K.O. gets... Knocked off of the apron following a distraction. Rollins' team just takes turns dominating KO. 
Big Show eventually gets the hot tag, beats down Rollins for a bit. Joe gets thrown into the steps by AOP. Big Show tries to hit his choke slam. Rollins tries to choke slam. Big Show tries to choke slam Rollins. Then AOP Rollins then hits him with the chair, causing the DQ finish. Big Show, KO, and Joe get the win with the DQ. KO grabs Seth foot. Seth's foot as he's going for the stomp on Big Show. Big Show then hits him with the KO punch. That's the end of Raw. And we're going to get a rematch next week with a fist fight. Never heard of that in WWE, but should be interesting. And I'm all about KO and Joe teaming up, so let's keep this going. But honestly, overall, this was a pretty dang good episode of Raw. Not sure if it tops the rankings. We'll find that out later. But really, really good episode of Raw, I thought. AEW Dynamite. We start out with Adam Page versus Kenny Omega. Well, and Kenny Omega versus the private party. Cassidy and Quinn. The story of this match was kind of the miscommunication between Adam Page and Kenny Omega that's been continuing over the past few weeks. They seem to get it together by the end because Adam Page and Kenny would hit a buckshot V-trigger combo followed by a one-winged angel to get the pin and the win. This was a fun tag team match to start off the show. And like I said, they continue the story of Adam Page and Kenny Omega not being on the same page and Adam Page not being on the same page with the Elite as a whole. But they seem to be okay after this one. Adam Page and Kenny shake hands post-match. Pack then backstage. He has the Brutalizer in on Nakazawa. He wants his match against Kenny. Omega then runs backstage. And then during commercial break, Adam Page is drinking beers with the fans. He was <laughs> He was drinking last week. He's drinking again this week. Then Brandy joins commentary for this next match, and boy, this was crap. Chris Statlander versus Riho for the AEW Women's World Championship, and this was just hijacked by all this overbooking nonsense and BS. Just garbage. Couldn't even really get into the match because there were so many distractions and stuff. Because the Nightmare Collective came down, Kong and... Melanie Cruz came down to ringside. And while the ref was distracted, Rio was took out by Cruz. Statlander then takes both Cruz and Kong out. And then he then Randy leaves the commentary table and gets in Statlander's face. And then this Luther guy, this deathmatch Luther guy from Japan comes out of the, under the ring. Excalibur pointed him out, but I I had no freaking clue who this guy is, and nor did I really care. And Statlander, he Luther stops Statlander from punching Brandy. Then Kong takes Statlander out. Riho before going for a finisher hits a cross body on Luther. Back inside the ring, Riho goes for her stomp and it misses. Trades some counter. Statlander hits a Michinoku driver, but then goes for her finisher, her kind of tombstone-like finisher. Kong then pulls her feet from underneath the ring, from uh, off the apron. Well, she was Statlander was near the end of the ring, and uh, 
Kong pulled out her feet from underneath her, and Rio got the roll-up win. And I just, like I said, this was just crap. I wish we could have actually gotten a match between Statlander and Riho. I thought it would have been good. But no, we had to do this overbooking nonsense with the Nightmare Collective that I don't even, I care a little bit about. But not enough to have this mess of overbooking in a match. It was just terrible. And I and I said this. I said this. I on my notes. This is quite possibly the worst thing AEW's done so far. And it's their worst thing they've done on television. Post match, uh, Sheeta makes the save. Britt Baker and them were Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida were both ringside. Doesn't decide. Uh, Baker's like, hey, I'm not going to make the save because she's. She had the issue. She has issues with Riho and her showing up at certain times. But Sheeta comes in, makes the save. After that, we get Kip Saban, Penelope Ford, video covering their alliance. Then we get Chris Terford Daniels versus Sammy Guevara next. And also not very good. At the end of this, Daniels hitting his Uranagi. Penta Pentagon Jr. is telling him to show me. Because he tried to go for the uh, moonsault a couple weeks ago on Penta and absolutely missed it, messed it up and pretty much landed on his head. Gavar hits a kick in the head for the win. And I, like I said, it wasn't very good. Back-to-back things, not very good. And then we get Dark Order coming out, which tops it all off. I've been enjoying some of the stuff Dark Order's been doing recently, but I didn't really enjoy this. Evil Uno comes out and talks up. Christopher Daniels says AEW Faithful doesn't believe in him anymore. Uno also says he can help Christopher Daniels be the man he once was and offers him to be a creeper and tells SCU was a thing of the past and to join Dark Order. And like we all know, Daniels is not going to join Dark Order. I get they're trying to tease this stuff, but trying to do it with some actual believable guys. Creepers then beat Daniels down. SCU head down. Young Bucks come in to make the save. Grayson tries to fight everyone else. Then Scorpio Sky takes out one Creeper. Bucks take out another one. And Daniels hits his Uranagi, followed by the BME. It was all right. They're trying to make Dark Order a big deal. I get what they're trying to do. But I just didn't. I just didn't. I wasn't feeling this. We get Lucha Brothers versus Cody and Dustin with Arn Anderson in their corner. Uh, kind of the turning point was Cody turning his head and getting super kicked by Ray Phoenix. Dustin getting beaten down by on the break. At one time, Phoenix tried to go for a chair. Arn kicks it out of his hands. Oh, it didn't look great, but Dustin hits a spine buster. Hot, t- hot tags Cody. Cody comes in. Out like a ball of fire, and the fans really wanted this. Late Dustin hits a destroyer on Ray. Just that's getting a little bit to be overused. It's fun to watch, but getting a little bit overused. Penta gets hit with a flying cutter by Cody. Then Dustin hits the final reckoning, also known as the final cut for the one, two, three. I thought this was a fun tag match between the Lucha Brothers and Cody. With with Dustin, his brother. And Cody's still building up some momentum now. Shivani tries to talk to Cody post-match. 
Arn then cuts a promo on MJF, and he doesn't think MJF has the stroke to uh, call for those stipulations in their upcoming match. And they're going to talk things over for next week. MJF out to the ring with Wardlow to cut another promo. Tells Cody that he's a coward. It's a really good promo by MJF once again. He gets ends up bringing DDP out because Cody won't come out himself. And uh, MJ, I mean DDP, kind of plugging everything and stuff and talking how he doesn't believe he would if you were if he was in the if you would have told him 19 years ago that he would have been in a ring on TNT, well, be on TNT on a show called AEW Dynamite, you'd be smoking crack. But uh, MJF got on his phone and actually tweeted during this. I, It was pretty funny. I thought that, I thought that was a nice little touch. DDP then addresses one question, the question of one more match. MJF tells him he can't, he couldn't lace his boots in his prime. Then he sends the butcher and the blade to do his dirty work for him. And DDP hits a diamond cutter on both of them. Yeah, before that, before he hits the diamond cutters on him, he says, uh, uh, answer, option A was to kiss my ring and leave the company. And then option B was to put him in the hospice and says he's going to do his daughter. (laughs) Then, like I said, diamond cutters on butcher and blade. Beats him up for a second. MJF hit a low blow like he did on Cody. They beat him up for a second. Cutie Marshall and Dustin come out. Dustin and Aubrey Edwards also come out to make the save. This sets up a six-man for next week. It's going to be DDP. And DDP, QT, Marshall, and Dustin Rhodes versus MJF. I don't get this. I get this is kind of just to be a one-off kind of thing. MJF and then the Butcher and the Blade. But it was entertaining. We had Jurassic Express versus Best Friends. After Luchasaurus, he got the hot tag. He eventually meets Orange Cassidy, which was very fun. Big pop. Cassidy hits a stunner. Blind tag to Jungle Boy. He hits a drop kick on Jungle Boy does Cassidy. And then on then a tope on Luchasaurus. Combo offense from the Best Friends. Cassidy hits a falling dive onto Jungle Boy. Count broken up by Stunt. Stunt then hits a destroyer on Trent. Luchasaurus throws Stunt into Trent and Cassidy. And Chuck goes for a powerbomb. Jungle Boy hits a Kirk and Rana. Roll up for the win. Harmless fun there. Jungle Boy finally gets a pinfall win. Jungle Boy trying to carry his momentum from the Jericho match from uh, at the end, from the end of the year. Fun to see. Jurassic Express finally get a win. Best friends and Cassidy can afford a loss here. The matches are previewed for next week. And we get Moxley's answer, the moment we have all been waiting for on this episode of AEW Dynamite. And Moxley says he didn't come to AEW for money. He didn't say, he says he can't be bought. And to run roughshod and dominate professional wrestling. And he's going to join the inner circle. He says there's no more dominant force than the inner circle. Moxley says he believes Jericho will be the greatest of all time. Then Moxley tells him to pop a little bit of the bubbly. 
Then Jericho's celebrating with them. He says, 2020 will be the year of the inner circle. He celebrates with them in ring. Moxley, he motions for the keys to the 4GT. Chance of it, you sold out, all right, Moxley. For, well, for one second, did I believe Moxley really joined the inner circle? I knew he was going to play him until the last, I don't know about the last very moment, but he was going to play him for a while, and he played him until the last very moment. Right before the end of the show, Moxley tells Jericho that he's kidding. Moxley and Jericho, the only ones in ring as uh, Hager and Guevara have exited. He says, I'm just kidding. I'd never join Inner Circle. And then he says, you have nothing I want except the AEW World Championship. Hits him with the bubbly. Hits a paradigm shift on Jericho and Guevara. And that was pretty freaking awesome way to end the show. I knew, like, I knew, I knew it was never going to happen that Moxley was going to join the inner circle. But man, was that fun while it lasted? And I loved it how they swerved him at the end, and Moxley just said, "Huh, just kidding." And just t- and he also took the car keys, which made perfect sense with his character. In closing on this episode of uh, AEW Dynamite, it was pro. I thought this was. Probably the worst episode of Dynamite I've seen. I didn't like the Daniels Guevara match. I didn't like the uh, Dark Order stuff. I really hated the Chris Statlander Riho match, and that was due to the all the overbooked nonsense and interference with the Nightmare Collective. I just absolutely that just took a lot away from for me on this show. It was just very disappointing, and that I don't want to see that stuff. But we, hey, we're going to end on a high note here. NWA Power. Tim Storm starts out with Joe Galley. And, te- and they're talking about how there's going to be two open invitation spots in the TV title tournament. And he said he'd be proud to represent the company as uh, the TV title holder. And he tells the fans that he got screwed out of all this and Storm when all this backed out. And we and like he said, he didn't get the best possible match. Fans deserve this match. Storm's doing a very good job with his promo work. I, I enjoy his promo work quite a bit. Camille then comes out, pushes Galley out of the way, holds the mic in front of Storm. And then Storm talks about the person that she comes out with and talking about Aldous, how he could no-show a main event. Fans deserve to see him. And ask him, why do you represent this coward? Camille comes in and then just slaps him in the face. Excuse me. Storm is livid, but he holds back because he's not going to hit a woman. Camille just smirks and leaves. I thought that was enjoyable. And then Storm and Camille have issues already as Camille kind of did the swerve and speared Storm. Marquez and then with the Dawsons and Murdoch before they draw a couple tag champ tag not tag matches but the TV title tournament qualifier match well they draw a TV TV title qualifier match Trevor says he gets asked what he thinks of all the men in the tournament Murdoch says he thinks he can beat every one of them then Anastasia picks one name and it's Zane Dawson and his other one the other one they picked, Dave Dawson. So the brothers will face each other in the TV title qualifying tournament next, well, t- match, I mean, next week. 
And then we get Thomas Latimer versus Trevor Murdoch next week. So that should be fun. Hard-hitting match between those two. We get the one TV title tournament qualifier match for tonight. It was, well, for that night, it was Zicky Dice versus Caleb Conley. Conley in this match used his quickness early, almost scored a roll-up and scored a drop kick. He dominated the early portion of the match, first three minutes or so, using some of his high-flying tactics. Dice catches him and hits a Northern Lights suplex, misses with a cannonball. Conley then makes a comeback with strikes. Conley hits a big boot and back suplex, misses with his moonsault, and then Zicky Dice hits a snake rattle and roll. Swinging neck breaker for the three count and to qualify for the TV title tournament coming up at hard times. And I thought this was an all right match and it was effective for the six minutes they had. And Galley, he interviews Shooter Stevens and question mark, the Shooter Stevens, the national champion. T Stevens playing up how question mark is his sensei. And says he's learned his, he's learned more about himself as a person. Steven says he brought him here and helped get him accustomed to this country. And he said the title used to not. He says he used to not think titles were important, but question mark has helped him and guided him and changed his mindset. And he doesn't think anyone's worthy to challenge him for the title right now. So he will be a TV. Well, 10 degree, 10th degree TV champion, tag champion, and when the stars align, he'll be the world's heavyweight champion. After that, we get to the we get Thunder Rosa versus ODB with Allison K on commentary. Closing portions of the match. Thunder Rosa has a chokehold, backs her. Oh, ODB backs her into a corner. ODB shoulder blocks Rosa. Rosa goes up to the middle rope. Jumped, got caught into a fallway slam. ODB then goes to the second rope herself, misses with the dive, and then Rosa hits a running drop kick. It's a running drop kick, misses with a kick. ODB goes for a finisher, gets reversed into a backstabber, and then Rosa hits her double stomp to the back for a one, two, three win. Rosa talking trash after the match. I thought it was an all right match, not bad. It was a lot. It was very strike heavy, like I said. Like I, I don't know if I mentioned that, but it was a strike heavy match between ODB and Rosa, and I, it kind of needed to be. That was hard hitting and stuff, and I, I enjoyed it. Joe Galley with Nick Aldis, and Aldis kind of plays up, says everything he said about Camille was true, and he talking about how he can justify the actions against Tim Storm calls. Storm a relic, then calls out Ricky Morton also. Talks about James Storm and Eli Drake, and he inserts his guys into the tag match coming up next, coming up in a few minutes. Well, coming up in a little bit, and then talks about Ricky Starks and his opponent, and then people question him that he can't get the job done in six minutes, and the only place he takes longer than six minutes is is in bed. I liked that. That was funny. And... He says he can go all night. And then he wants to prove that he can be an athlete like Starks and says he keeps the fights, keeps the lights on around here, kind of saying how he built NWA and how this TV show came into fruition. And he wants to prove why he was in the why he should have been, well, why he could have won the TV title tournament. 
Yeah, all this dominates the first half. All this dominates the first half of the match. Suplex, fallaway slams. Starks hits, makes a comeback with three minutes left. Hits a sling blade, drop kick off the middle rope. All of a sudden, exits the ring, and Starks hits a top rope suicida. Starks goes for a moonsault, misses. Cloverleaf attempt gets reversed in a uh, roll up by Starks, actually an inside cradle. Starks then goes for his finisher. All of a sudden, gets in a cloverleaf. And he holds it in for over a minute on him before the match ends in a draw. I thought this was a good way to build up Ricky Starks here. And I, I said it was effective. And it's making him a star. He's hanging in the ring with the world's heavyweight champion. And then Ricky Morton comes out of the ring, comes out afterwards and kind of talks. Says the match was great. And he says he wants all this to give Starks five more minutes since Starks put up such a good fight. And Aldis then says, Aldis refuses to give uh, Starks five more minutes. And Aldis says he won the lottery by being in the ring with him. And Morton asks if he will give him five minutes. So Morton and Aldis now. Aldis then refuses, Aldis leaves. This continues the issues stemming from a couple weeks ago with Morton and Aldis. And gives Starks... This mom, this match gave Starks kind of a star-making performance. We get the main event match after that. Cowboy James Storm and Eli Drake versus Ken Anderson and Colt Cabana. At one time, James Storm hit, skins the cat and hits a head scissors at one time. I, I was impressed. I don't even know if I've ever seen James Storm hit that kind of stuff, but maybe the skinning the cat, but I don't know if I've ever seen him hit a head scissors. Drake gets a hot tag, hits Russian leg sweep, power slam, and big running elbow drop on Anderson. Cabana then gets eventually tagged in after Anderson hits Drake from behind. Anderson using dirty tactics. Cabana's not a big fan of that. And Cabana's been backing Anderson for quite a while now. And it's getting to the point where he's starting to really have big issues with Ken Anderson and what the way he's been performing and kind of treating his opponents. Drake goes for Drake hits a missile drop kick. He goes for the hot tag, but Ken Anderson pulls his foot, pulls James Storm's foot out, throws his foot up against the ring. Cabana gets a Superman pin on Drake. Drake then kicks out at the last possible second. Then Anderson gets in the face of the official and then grabs him. And then the Colt forces the DQ finish. I am perfectly fine with that as this continues the issues with Anderson and Cabana. As Cabana had his back, but he's starting to really question it here. And they kind of argue post-match. But before the show ends, Strictly Business has to come out. And he tells the fans that Wild Cards didn't come out because he has the power to give and take. And they didn't think they should have been in a match with those kind of odds. Aldis invites Ricky Morton and the Rock and Roll Express to come out. Aldis proposes Team Aldis versus Team Morton next week. Neither one of them competing because Aldis says he doesn't want Morton to have an excuse when he loses to Nick Aldis for the world championship. 
Maldis then announces he gets he has the it's gonna be the wild cards and a special third man, but it's gonna be Gibson on the other side with two partners for him, but the wild cards and all this then reveals the third member of team Aldis is Scott Steiner. So it's going to be Scott Steiner and the wild cards versus Robert Gibson and whoever he chooses as his two partners next week. So if Gibson's team, well, Morton's team wins, Morton gets a shot at Nick Aldis for the world's championship. And I thought that was a cool reveal at the end. Scott Steiner Reeled as a partner of Nick Aldis. And they have worked together in TNA before. And probably, I'm assuming Steiner's probably worked with Mick Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson before. But honestly, this was a very good episode of Power. I really enjoyed the Starks Aldis match. Tim Storm's segment was very good also. I love the stuff with Aldis and Morton. And also the Steiner debut. And I liked that they keep telling the story of Anderson and Cabana and their issues. Stuff, like I said, honestly... NWA Power is the most consistent wrestling show around right now. It is consistently good every single week. It may not top the rankings every week in my weekly rankings, but it is consistently good every single week, and I've really, really enjoyed it. But without further ado, let's reveal the rankings for this week. At the bottom, normally they're at the top. It's AEW Dynamite. Just the Dark Order stuff, the Daniels match, and the stuff in the Nightmare Collective with that Statlander-Reho match just absolutely bogged the show down for me. In second place, moving up this week, Monday Night Raw. A very enjoyable episode of Monday Night Raw. Just It's just got inched out by the most consistent wrestling show around in NWA Power very, very good stuff from NWA Power this week. Loved the Starks match. I just loved how everything made sense. Very, very enjoyable. And that's going to do it for my weekend review for this week. But make sure to tune in next week. It'll be either Thursday or Friday. I'll let you know on the socials here in the next few days or so. Make sure to follow me on the socials, Facebook and Twitter, at SigDaddyWrestle. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to my podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. But until next time, this is Sig Daddy signing off, thanking you all for listening, and so long, everybody.